I'd looked over to my left here, and I yes. see a lot of paraphernalia. Is this stuff yours? Well, I was in, a, I was in Warren, Ohio, doing my play, and Roy Clark and his friends right. came by, and they were doing this trick, and I said, I bet I can do that. And then I tried it there in the restaurant, but I was quite drunk, so I don't remember. <laughs> but I'd like to try it again. I mean, it's a phenomenal I, trick. It's, I it's have no slightest idea what it is. Drop the eggs with the tray and the match covers and the broom. It's unbelievable. Really? Want to see it? No, we, I haven't worked. I haven't, I I haven't didn't either. I tell you the truth, this may be brilliant, or who knows? It could go nowhere. Yes, it could we'll, go right in the uh, Well, let's go find out. In the old Give a lizard whiz. Okay, no. Give a lizard whiz. I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt me. at the top of this episode because I've been trying to do that, but this one's not even good. <laughs> give a lizard whiz. Oh. Uh, give a lizard whiz of your giz to King. And it just sounds horrible. The more you mix up the words in this band name, it sounds uh, Give terrible. a lizard whiz. Oh my God. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome I hope we to. Get I fucking DCIM'd. Welcome to uh, I Think You'd Be Whiz To It, uh, the podcast about your problematic faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. Uh, and joining us today to talk uh, the uh, aforementioned King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard uh, is uh, one of the hosts of the Radish podcast and the uh, login holder for the Indiesaurus Twitter account, Sean Barry. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I've uh, been preparing this moment for several years. And I'm excited to talk your ears off uh, about my favorite rock and roll band. That is what we are here for. Fantastic. Hell yeah. That's literally why this show exists. Because people were sick of hearing me talk their ears off about my favorite rock and roll band. Uh, And Beth rightly figured that everybody had something like that. And you know what? There is some overlap with that here. Gonna say, and I'm also not tired of that, Brandon. So uh, I'm happy to exchange ideas and tastes here. So before we get into uh, the band itself, uh, let's go through a round of things we're into this week, shall we? Uh, if anybody has one uh, and wants to go first, by all means. If not, I think I have something. Okay, I can go. All right. I can go. All right. All right. Um, I've actually really been enjoying the Invincible show on Amazon. Um, I, it's a measured, it's a measured thing I'm into this week. I haven't read like all 1000 issues of the comic, but I'm of course certainly familiar with it. Um, and it's, it's hard, I think, because the first, the first arc and the first arc in the comics too, is just like so blatantly, I wanted to write a evil Superman story and no one would let me. So I went and made my own fake DC universe, Um, which like, look, Kirkman is very good writer, has done a lot of great big epics, but like that is very, even when Invincible first came out in the comics world, like it was like very obvious what it was. Um, And because they're following that first arc here, um, you get a little bit of like, okay, I get it. But I think it's well done. Um, I think that you kind of need to give the, the animation style a couple episodes maybe 
it feels at first a little bit like it's landing somewhere between like Young Justice and Archer, but like not really doing either well. But once you get used to it, it's it's a fine it's a fine art style. Um, very violent. Do do note that which the comic is too, and I I think that that's you know that's kind of part of the thing of Invincible is that it's like a very realistic like very brutal comic and uh the show does that well I think it's I think it's a good adaptation is what I'm basically getting at I think that a lot of my critiques of the show stem from my critiques of the comic uh Fair. <laughs> which I've read like the first arc of and then was just like oh I can't commit to reading all 1000 of these but I would like to one day um but anyway yeah that's been rolling out on Amazon Prime and I'm enjoying it and I hope it keeps keeps going well i think that there is a place in this world for more adult um superhero stories that are not based in the dcu uh or the mcu uh well actually it's dceu but whatever um but i also have a lot of feelings about superhero comics and comic stories and the opinions of people on whether or not they're meant for adults in general i once founded an entire website about it and we can't get into that here <laughs> <laughs> the uh, voice cast on that thing is stacked too it is that's actually true it's e- even like minor characters i'll just be i have a really really good voice star and like a lot of the voices in this are are fairly recognizably famous but even still it's just like why is this like security guard john ham what oh cool yeah, it's a great voice cast, and, and I think they're doing a great job. J.K. Simmons is Omega Man, his father, who is the evil Superman. Um, it's really well done. I, I, I think it's I think it's a good adaptation, um, and so that's why, despite my measured criticism of it, uh, I, it's the thing I'm into this week. I'm actually I have an episode uh, that I'm going to watch later tonight. I have a new one ready that I haven't seen yet, so that's what I'm into this week. Brandon, did you think of one? I did. The thing. <laughs> The thing I'm into this week is Dom DeLuise's egg trick. Okay, I have no idea what this means. Uh, he actually has, normally when he brings up a thing he's into this week, I have some concept of what it is because he's been talking about it for like a week. I don't know what the fuck this you're is. You're telling me you're not familiar with Dom DeLuise's egg trick, which no, certainly didn't go as planned. No, I definitely am not. <laughs> well, uh, I found a YouTube video a while back Uh it's a, it's a clip from uh, an old Carson episode, and the clip is called Dom DeLuise's Egg Trick Does Not Go As Planned. And it's on the official Johnny Carson YouTube page, which is it's, it's just very funny to me that Johnny Carson, the man who's been dead for decades, has a YouTube page. Um, but it's this clip of uh, Dom DeLuise is on his show, and he's going to do a magic act for whatever reason, which consists of he has Carson sit down at a table uh, and then he puts six glasses of water on the table and then he puts a like serving tray on top of... Is this like CJ in the egg at the the solstice? Uh, It's like CJ and egg at the solstice if there was also a bat involved. Yeah, and for people who are not, you know, old and weirdly obsessed with the West Wing like us. There's a whole episode of the West Wing that the B-plot is about C.J. Craig trying to stand an egg on its end at the solstice and everybody telling her that it's not real and can't be done. And then uh, trying to grapple with uh, Matthew Perry suddenly being in that show. 
That's true. That is the same episode. But so he gets uh, on. He puts a serving tray on top of the six glasses, and then on top of that, he puts six more glasses and puts an egg in each one. And he, his plan is to remove the tray so the eggs all fall into the water. That being Dom DeLuise's egg trick, and the the escalation throughout. What is clearly still a pretty, like, I would imagine pretty scripted bit um, is really masterful in the way that, like, he keeps introducing elements like suddenly he pulls out a broom uh, and he's he, like, hits the thing with it. Um, and eventually it all, it, it goes, it goes right. And, like, improbably the trick works. But the thing that I find fascinating about it is... Unlike most talk shows now, there is genuine tension in this in this whole bit between Carson and Dom DeLuise. Like, Carson clearly doesn't want to be doing this and is, like, pissed off that he has to and is, like, really skirting the line between, like, playfully joking and being like, if you hit me with that broom or get egg all over my face, <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass, DeLuise. Um, and of course afterwards it, it evolves into an egg fight and the egg fight winds up being like four minutes of grown men putting eggs in their pants and then smashing them and going, ew, it feels funny. But yeah, the, so the thing I'm into this week is Dom DeLuise's egg trick. Okay. I'm sure he'll put a link to that in the show notes, whether I want him to or not. So there eh. you go. Eh. I'm looking it up organically directly after this. This sounds fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like the, th just from the thumbnail alone, you can see there is genuine tension there. <laughs> and like, I do, I do like to use Dom DeLuise as sort of a, a punchline just because I think he's a good, like, 70s old Hollywood reference when you need one. Mm. But he was also like a brilliant performer. And like, his timing was impeccable. And this is just a, a really good, uh, a good example of that. Um, plus I just like talk show chaos. You also just like Dom DeLuise. I do just, yeah, I do just like Dom DeLuise, yeah. You, you're obsessed with the fact that he's in an episode of Stargate, and I, uh, I made you, I, I showed it to you. Yeah, it's wild, <laughs> playing Q, it's fucked up, it rules. He's also in the best little whorehouse in Texas, but you wouldn't watch that with me. Yeah, but I, I watched that, I watched his number. Again, because I made you. Yes, and it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what about you? What are you into this week? I have been uh, catching up on an anime that I heard so much about during its season um, that I didn't really keep up with because I was more focused on Attack on Titan this past winter. Uh, but Jujutsu Kaisen uh, is one of the most captivating shonens I've seen since Demon Slayer. Um, I haven't. I know you all have a, uh, a Evangelion episode. Um, and it yes. was, I did consider bringing that on until I saw that you, you guys did. Uh, but we uh, did in fact, um, do the farce that is trying to explain Evangelion to people in a, uh, audio <laughs> format. It's yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a whole lot. It's probably my, still my favorite anime of all time, but right now, um, I'm still getting through the, uh, you know, show version of Jujutsu Kaisen and it is so much fun. Uh, it's really interesting. The characters are fantastic. Uh, if you're looking for a solid shonen, and if you're like me and you miss Demon Slayer, 
and you're maybe looking for something better than Demon Slayer. I'm hesitant to say that, um, but uh, every other you know educated anime fan I know, uh, mostly Seville and Evan, uh, both uh, agree that uh, JJK is a, a better show and a better manga. In any case, I think it's fantastic, and I'm excited to continue with it. What what is sort of the like, what is the what is the TLDR of this show? Uh, it is a. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Fair. I was like, he's suspiciously not really saying anything about what the show's about. Hmm. Totally fair. That's okay, because it works perfectly as our transition, if you want, because I earlier <laughs> asked Brandon, hey, what's the TLDR on King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard? And he was like, uh, they do a lot of albums. I was like, that doesn't help me. Yeah, I just sort of had, it's the same static when someone's like, explain Frank Zappa. And I'm like, um... I've only uh, from Zappa. I've only heard Thinkfish, but I will say TLDR. Oh my! Oh wow! That is literally the worst possible yeah Zappa album <laughs> to have heard. That is also a Zappa album that nearly that torpedoed a first date I went on in college. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> yup. Not with me though. We did meet no. in college. Um, if I could give a quick TLDR of Jujutsu Kaisen, it's just about sorcerers, uh, fighting curses, and the main character. Uh, learning that he, you know, can fight these sort of curses in the world, and he's also possessed by one of the most powerful. Uh, and it's just him trying to reckon with his power and everything that's going on in the world. Uh, it's you know kind of Harry Potter esque. I hate to, you know compare it to that, but it is similar. Um, but it, it's much much better, much more captivating. Uh, and if you're you know the type of anime, it's on Crunchyroll. Uh, absolutely check it out. It's super fun. So speaking of other lizard wizards oh, yeah. that aren't uh, animated but are in fact Australianated, I think. Yes. Uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, t- uh, regale us of this most improbably named band. Oh boy. Okay, so I learned in my research, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle the name first. I learned in my research that the uh, lead vocalist, guitarist, uh, you know, lyricist Stu McKenzie. Um, originally, he's one of the Concords. They the band basically formed by like just a bunch of friends playing and jamming in college, and uh, I think they performed their first live show. And Stu wanted to go out and call the band Gizzard Gizzard, and I think other band members. The Wikipedia article article doesn't say who. Um, but they were like, it, it cites Jim Morrison calling himself the Lizard King. Uh, and so they decided to just come up with the name King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, I just, I call him Giz. I call him King Giz. Uh, I'm wearing a hoodie right now that just says KGLW. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, I show them the proper respect and say their full title. The, oh, okay. The sure. full title, I mean, when I want to tell people, you know, I, I work in a record store, and when I want to tell people, like, you know, the band I think is the most captivating and the one to definitely check out, I do. I give them the full title, and often their eyes glaze over, and they just kind of go, the what? Um, <laughs> King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, King of the Andals and first of his name, Lord of the Fremen, King of Spice. Essentially, I mean, almost. I, it's, 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 I tell people they're, they're a psych rock band at their core. Um, but they are absolutely, they are prolific and they have since 2012 in the past nine years 
they have released 17 studio albums, um, including one EP that makes 18, uh, and two official live recordings. Um, Damn. Which do you want to know first? I can go through their, you know, chronological discography and I can take you through everything. I can tell you about all the members. Well, what I what I'd really like to know first is uh, how how you found them and, and what what about the band appeals to you before we get into the weeds. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so funny enough, I got into this band because of you know former guest, friend of the show, my friend uh, and co-host Will Farr uh, brought the band's album Nonagon Infinity uh, as his show and tell to our show Radish. Uh, the show it's, it's a show and tell podcast where we bring something every week to talk about that we you know want to tell about it to each other in our it's like the top of our show but instead of uh you guys just panicking uh in the moment and trying to think of something every week you actually come prepared it's a prison we've built for ourselves it is it truly is 80 percent of the time we come prepared last night uh the you know i'm not sure when this episode goes out. yeah but you guys had hooks on last night talking about omega mart which like totally made up for everything yeah uh, I talked about pickles, though, so, you know, you, you get, you know. I'll talk about pickles all fucking day, dude. Honestly. Uh, in any case. We love Hooks. Hooks is a friend of the show. Hooks has done an episode on Law and Order for us. Hooks was so much fun, and I, I hope we, they get to be on more of our episodes. Um, but yeah, Will brought, uh, I've heard of, like, I had heard him talk about this band before, and I, I forget where I was in 2017, who I was really listening to. It might have been Manchester Orchestra or Radiohead, probably Radiohead. Um but he brought on this album and he talked about it and he said, you know, there's this album called Nonagon Infinity. It's all, it's nine tracks. They all run into each other and the last track fades into the first and it's super fun, super psyche. And it's just, you need to check it out. Oh yeah. It's like a full cycle, right? And it won yeah. a bunch of awards for being like an endless album. I, I'm not sure about awards, but it, it yeah. It did. It's... I looked, I look, I, oh, good. when good, Brandon good, good. couldn't answer my question about the TLDR earlier, I read the Wikipedia. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I uh, started with Nonagon Infinity, and I did what I tell everyone else. Like, I tell them, what I did was I started listening to the album, and I just turned my eyes away from Spotify. I stopped looking at the track list. I just kind of did my thing. And then when I thought I could hear a song change, I went to check the track list to see how far I was. And as far as I remember, I was like five or six tracks into the record. It is, it just all flows so seamlessly together and it is so fun and energetic. And then I started looking into the lyrics and just the themes of the band. And I was not only greeted with just fantastic musicianship, but also this is the, this is the key. I was greeted with lore. I was greeted with the Giz verse, which we'll get into soon. And that's what really drew me to the band. The fact that there's this like loose concept that surrounds most, if not all of their discography. I had no idea about that. The Giz verse. Yeah. I had no fucking clue. That's like totally my shit. Oh, oh, okay. We're going to get into it, Brandon. Don't worry. Uh, and I just started listening to more of their stuff. I think I went on to murder the universe after that, um, which was an album that came out, I think, uh, what in a year later in 2017 um, and that is just that got even heavier than non and gone it, it brought back some of the same themes and some of the same musical motifs while also talking about like three different stories uh, just like being like a triple concept album um, and I just kind of explored from there and it's now to the point where what we're three years later 
I own all of their records. Um, I, I have several pieces of merch and stickers and I have, you know, obsessed with bootleg live records and uh, I won't shut up about them. Um, <laughs> so honest to God, this is the exact same thing that happened to me when I discovered fish, but like the specifics are a little changed, but it is the exact same arc. Yeah. It's, it's just like you find something you love and they, you notice that there's so much more of it to explore and to appreciate. And you notice that there's like, there's just like this whole fan you know, fandom is kind of a dirty word now, but there's just whole fandom of just like people that like understand and get each other and appreciate it on the same level as you. And it's just very exciting to be a part of it. And then, and there's like a shared language. Exactly. Um, yeah. And stuff like that. Like, like, like there are things you could say to someone at a fish show that would be fucking baffling to anyone else in any <laughs> other content. Yeah. There's context, but there it's like, Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Making it sound more and more like a cult. <laughs> it's yeah. I uh, you know whenever I like talk with other uh, Giz fans or it's just we all speak in like you know similar language and we talk about you know favorite albums, favorite you know tracks. Um, I bring up you know live concerts and like certain like versions of different tracks, which is you know I understand getting into jam band territory of like talking like what's your favorite version of this track as they performed it live. Um, and Gizzard has like, I'm, I'm approaching, uh, 30 this year. And I realize as a, you know, 30, almost 30 year old white man, I have to find a jam band who I will follow for the rest of my life. And absolutely, I'm, I'm glad to say that as King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, okay. So, uh, I mean, they definitely you... have the most jam band ass name. They sure I do. I mean, my favorite thing. They really do, because my favorite thing to do is to, they don't fall under my favorite category of jam band names, which is playing the game, is this a jam band name or a diner item? <laughs> diner menu item? String cheese incident. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Disco biscuit. Uh, okay. Humphrey McGee also kind of, I get it. The Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a lot that you could uh, you could argue for either. I should like Humphrey's McGee more than I do. I I. I, I Oddly, I can't get into their singing, and that that that's wild a wild thing for me personally to say. We can't go down this road right now. I'm with you, Brandon. Yeah. No, don't worry. Yeah, we, yeah, we. I can't. I can't get into umph right now. But yeah, that that's it's it's a really nice feeling to feel like you've sort of discovered a, a whole world of things uh, when you find a new band or something like that to really to really get into. Um, so. Uh, Musically, what is it about the band that that appeals to you? Because psych rock is like a that I don't know if I could I know what psych rock is if I hear it, but I don't know if I could really like verbalize yeah I'm what with psych you. rock is. You know, yeah, it's it's such an umbrella term for a lot of things. Like I know you know Tame Impala is also another you know psych rock Australian band who I'm kind of hesitant to get into apart from you know an album or two. Um, sure. There are other, you know, psych rock bands sort of on King Gizzard's label Flightless Records um, that I'm still, you know, trying to explore. Um, but I think with Giz, it's like it's the energy. It's it's the the fact that they release so many albums in such a short span. Yeah. What have they been around for like 10 years and they've released 17 studio albums? Yeah. And it's the they can explore so many different styles. And they all still sound like 
their king gizzard. Like you can have like Nonagon Infinity or you know float or uh, you know um, I'm trying to find my list here. I'm in your mind fuzz, which is a very heavy energetic kinetic form of psych rock which you know is a great place to start with the band but then you find stuff like uh infest the rat's nest from 2019 which is just pure thrash metal yeah or what what was the what was the name of the uh the wild west one that they did that's one of my favorite spaghetti western yeah this was like you know how like when bands like release a sophomore album they'll try to like replicate what was on the first or, you know, try to, like, show that they've grown since their first release. King Gizzard released their first album, their first studio LP is 12 Bar Brews, which is just straight garage surf-tinged rock. It's so much fun. It's just, they're, it's very youthful, very catchy. And then when they come around for their second album, they instead do a soundtrack for a Western movie or a Western story that doesn't exist apart from the one that's narrated on this album by one of the uh, member's father. And it is just, it's called Eyes Like the Sky. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yavapai calling Eyes Like the Sky. absolutely fascinating listen i will say i don't often get in the mood to throw it on which i think is that's probably fair. a personal flaw um but i think no you're not wrong i listened to it once and was like this is rad no need to ever listen to this again it's it's worth returning to i will say but it's like when you know i'm going about my day or i'm throwing a record on i'm not gonna throw an eyes like this guy immediately unless i'm really feeling it um but yeah it's a, a soundtrack for a spaghetti western never made and it's absolutely brilliantly done it is so much fun to listen to um, yeah, they, they seem like they really do enjoy a, like, meta concept on top of an album. Yeah, they, like, I mean, I, I, t- I spoke about Infest the Rat's Nest. Um, that came out in 2019, shortly after Fishing for Fishies, which was um, another, like, environmentalist, folky and fun rock and roll, like, jam time.
that also like ventured into synthy electro music. Um, and they follow that up with Infest the Rat's Nest, which is the same kind of like environmentalist, you know, planet's dying, there's no planet B, there's nothing we can do, uh, just hell thrash metal. And, you know, the fact that they can like put across the same messages in completely different styles, and it still sounds like, it's not like, it doesn't sound disingenuine, which I really appreciate in a, a group. Like you could still tell it's them. It doesn't feel like it's from different bands. It just feels like this one band is incredibly talented and prolific. Right. It's like when Ween decided to make a country record and it just like It's actually worked. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, it rules because it's it's at its heart, it's still a Ween record that they just made with like Nashville session guys. Yeah, I mean Giz did the same or not the same, they didn't do a country record exactly, but they did a jazz album, uh, at least the jazziest they've ever been, with sketches of Brunswick East in twenty seventeen. They partnered with a, an electronic artist named Mild High Club, um, and it was just a really chill, just kind of easygoing, uh, kind of fun jazz record. That was the first one of theirs I ever heard, I I believe. Interesting, because um, that was during that was during their uh, the year when they put out five albums. Right, that was twenty seventeen, uh, which. Uh, consisted of Flying Microtonal Banana, which was the Microtonal Instruments record. I have a question. Sorry. Wait. Because they've done more than one Microtonal, and I saw that it was like, they've done multiple Microtonals in which they built their own guitars and shit. I do not understand what that means. It's... What is Microtonal? (laughs) I'm not the the music theory expert here, Um, but I basically just kind of like, Microtones are just kind of what exists within what we understand as like typical tones and notes in Western music. So what you find on like flying microtonal banana and it's follow-ups on KG and LW is somewhat like Eastern. Like you get a lot of like, it sounds kind of like, you know, traditional Indian music. You get a little like Turkish uh, house. It's, it sounds, I don't know. But a Phrygian mode flying around. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All uh, right, continue. It, it, it works. <laughs> but yeah, they built custom guitars and shit for it, which is like very Brandon's shit. I know that. It's called, I mean, that's the, the first album, Fly My Crotal and Banana, is called that because the name of the guitar that Stu built is Fly My Crotal Banana. It is this bright yellow guitar that has all these special frets on it so he can play microtones. As, as, as for what a like microtonal like fretboard would look like, it's, it's just a imagine your normal guitar fretboard. Uh, but there's just more frets in between other frets and they sometimes don't go all the way up and it, it just looks like, uh, you like threw a bunch of random frets in between the frets, uh, to make weird noises. All right. And it it sounds weird to our ears since we're so used to Western music, but the thing is Giz makes it work. Like Fly Mercatone Banana has some of their greatest songs and- KG was my favorite album of the year last year. Um, I thought it was brilliant. Not to mention the fact that the end of uh, Microtonal Banana fades into KG, and then the end of KG fades seamlessly into LW, which was released earlier this year. Or no, I think, is that earlier this year? Um, uh, according to Wikipedia, yes. Yeah, it was. I think it was like January of this year. Um and they just they flow together and it's just like this extremely fun exploration into microtones and they make it accessible 
Um, they make it super fun. I think LW has probably one of the most bankable. If they, you know, were interested in radio play, uh, LW has a track called Supreme Ascendancy, which is extremely fun. It's extremely catchy. Uh, it's a song by one of the other band members, uh, Ambrose Kenny Smith or Ambi, um, and it's so much fun. Um, Dang. It, it's it's just and there's also there's a final track on LW that's just straight doom metal and it's it's <laughs> all so good it got me so hyped I was so happy uh, when it came out but yeah, going going back to 2017 so they did Micro Banana Murder of the Universe which was the more a more thrashy metally one um, and then they did Sketches of Brunswick East which was the which was heavily inspired by uh, Sketches of Spain by Miles Davis oh. Um, and then after that, uh, they finished out the year with Polygon Doana Land uh, and Gumboot Soup, uh, neither of which I got too deeply into. Um, but Sketches of Brunswick East was the first one I heard about because uh, there's a fish message board I've been like reading but and not posting much on for like 15 years now. Yeah, that's me with all the, the Giz subreddits. I don't post. I just read. Yeah, oh, totally. And, and like, the Fantasy Tour message board is the fucking, like, it's it's awful. It's it's terrible. Um, but also, at the same time, there's some good threads with where I found some, like, amazing music. Um, and people had started posting about uh, King Gizzard. And it was always generally like, what the fuck is that name? Uh, but I think I listened to a little bit of Flying Microtonal Banana. But... Uh, Everyone on this on this thread was really getting pumped about sketches of Brunswick East. Oh yeah, um, which which I listened to a ton. I was like, oh my god, this is so chill. This is really like rad and interesting. Um, and like then I tried to I went to some of the other stuff and like the the more like harder metally stuff doesn't grab me as much. I think the other record I like the most is Paper Mache Dream Balloon. That makes sense. That tracks. Yeah. Which is like, they just decided to do like, uh, like sixties psych folk pop album, and it 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 whips. Yeah, they they decided you know after several like a couple years of doing just all you know electric guitar that kind of stuff, they went for an all acoustic album, and it works. And it's so much fun too because like it sounds very fun and friendly and colorful, and all the lyric all the lyrics are like super dark and grim. Uh, yep. It's it's just an absolute delight. Brandon, I'm wondering, have you listened to Quarters yet? Uh, no. I don't think I know what that one is. That is, it's, uh, it was released in 2015 between Mind Fuzz and Paper Mache Dream Balloon. And it is their kind of jammiest album yet. Oh, I think, oh yeah, I think I've listened to it a little bit, but it didn't. I think I wasn't fully paying attention. No worries. It's it's four tracks. It's that's why I called quarters. Uh, each track is totals ten minutes and ten seconds. Um, so it's you know again even forty forty. Uh, they play the river pretty often during their live shows, and that's the jams that they pull off of that song and how they like make it a career spanning track is absolutely fascinating. It's so much fun to listen to. I wonder um, if Bruce knows they do that. <laughs> it's stupid for anyone who's like who's coming from like a jam band like i have a lot of customers in the store a lot of friends who you know come from like fish or grateful dead and that kind of thing and they're like curious about uh king gizzard 
I give them Float Along, Fill Your Lungs, which is just straight psych rock, but really jammy and bluesy. Um, I give them Quarters, Paper Mache Dream Balloon, and uh, Sketches of Brunswick East. Um, because those are the most kind of like easygoing, easy to listen to, but still very interesting and they keep you engaged. Yeah, they're 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 very accessible and they yet they still have those moments of just like, oh, this is getting real weird and yeah. like real out there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this has been going on for how long? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I, I'm trying to I'm keeping a mental checklist of all the albums we talked about. There's also uh, 2014's Oddments which was uh, similar to Gumboot Soup, is an album made up of just kind of B-sides and non-album tracks that they couldn't really fit on, like, the previous re- albums. So, like, sure. um, Oddments came out in 2014, so it had, like, a lot of tracks from, like, their earlier days. Uh, and it's a lot of fun, real kind of psyche. They kind of get more into, like, the Eastern music styles there. Um, funny enough, I'm not sure why, uh, but the band's most popular track on Spotify, as has been for years, is work this time from oddments uh which you know okay. when i tell someone to check out king gizzard they're like oh yeah i'll just go check them on spotify and they played the you know the most popular track as you are want to do uh but i you know always recommend against that because it's not a great uh depiction of what the band is like um what else i mean there's i'm in your mind fuzz which came out right after that the same year uh which is you know just a perfect introduction to the band's like energetic and heavier brand of psych rock that's where you know the wider fan community tells everyone to start like new fans to start i always say start with nonagon um because that's how i started but i completely understand i'm in your mind fuzz it's just it's a great place to start for new fans it it seems like it seems like king gizzard is essentially three different bands, like three or four different bands that all have the same name and the same people, which is kind of wild. Well, how, wait, how so? Well, in that, like, there's the psych band and then there's like, oh, we're going to do, do this like chill folk pop thing. Then we're going to do a country Western thing. Then we're going to do the jazz thing. Like they're capable. They, they could be so many different, things yes uh which is really cool and just shows how like insanely talented they are that it it is it's all under one banner right and it it just it all works like if you listen to one of their live shows and they kind of do like a uh i we haven't even gotten to their live albums yet but they can i kind of do a career spanning like show you can hear how all these things flow in together and how like you know teases of like you know they play an old track and they like kind of tease it out with like these certain sounds i'm like oh that's what they're bringing on and their new stuff it's just it all exists with their own dna and there's always like it's very adventurous listening to them seeing what they'll do next um yeah one of my co-workers who isn't completely convinced of the band calls them you know jack of all trades master of none but i disagree because they have i wouldn't say they've mastered these styles but they have they just have displayed such proficiency with experimentation and just like the i don't know they just they have so much in them and the fact that they keep releasing music relentlessly like we're probably like we got lw at the beginning of the year we're likely getting i would say one or two more albums this year uh judging by how they've been talking about online yeah not not to keep like 
not to like bring it, keep bringing it back to fish, but I'm just, I'm just getting so many. <laughs> since when? <laughs> well, yeah, but like I mean, well, you, since you, when you, in the past thirteen and a half years have you not brought it back to fish? Well, I'm fair, but like <laughs> I, 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 I don't want that to, I don't want that to be my only comparison, uh, for this band. But like the more I'm learning about them, the more they're feeling very much like kindred spirits. Uh, if, if not musically necessarily, I don't think the two bands have a lot in common musically, but just in that, like, they've cultivated a fan base that is excited about risks and trying new things. And like, there being an air of, we don't know what this is, what this is going to be, but we're here for it. You know, yeah. and like, like that has been that to me has been half the appeal of of fish is like being open to I have no fucking clue what's going to happen, but n- neither does anybody else or the band really. Yeah. You know, and like like when they like for Halloween one year, they wrote a concept album as a fake band and then performed it uh, for their cover set without ever like breaking kayfabe that this wasn't a real album. And then um, several years later, Brandon tricked a bunch of his friends into watching a PowerPoint about this album and did not reveal to them until the end that it was actually fish. I did. Meaning he tricked all of his friends into watching an entire presentation about fish. That's fantastic. I, I think there's also some similarities between the two bands as well in the fact that like their lyrical themes and like concepts they explore, like they don't take themselves seriously. Like gizzards out of here, just kind of like, Oh yeah, well, you know, we'll make an album about, you know, uh, like going to hell or, you know, like flying off to Venus or just like, you know, don't like they're against widespread fishing, like that kind of thing. Like they'll just like go off about silly stuff. And I feel like that's what brought me to fish in the first place was just like, you know, like a lot of their tracks are just kind of like, they're not self-serious. I remember like listening to them and I got like the similar vibe from Fish as I got from watching like Adventure Time. Like it's like very playful, very like light and fun and friendly, but not entirely all connected. Um, That's fair, yeah. uh, And it's just like, it's they keep you captivated listening throughout just because, you know, you like the attitude. You like the, you know, I'm going to sit and sound much younger than I am, but you like the vibes of it. We're all about liking the vibes. We're big vibes people. And same with like the thing you were saying about like tracking set lists and stuff like that. Like fish people absolutely do that too. And it, and it gives the whole, it gives their whole thing like a cohesion. Yeah. You know, where it feels like all feels like one body of work rather than like, Oh yeah, we put out some, we put out our records and then we'll like go to a tour, but the records are really the, the thing, right. you know, it, it all feels like one cohesive thing, sort of like uh Zappa called it his conceptual continuity that like, it was really all just one big piece. And for as much as that's kind of up its own ass in a Zappa way, it, it, it is also true. Right. Um, which, which is my long-ass segue into, tell me about the Gizverse. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, the Gizverse is... Is it like the Mountain Goats verse? <sighs> oh, I do, There's probably I... not as much divorce in the Gizverse. Probably, that's true. No, there is an interconnected, there's a story, uh, there is like an actual Mountain Goats quote-unquote universe in that there is one, the canonical The Couple, that... Um, appears throughout several albums throughout their different relationships different stages of their relationship ultimately ending in divorce the mountain goats 
Yeah. Who should, like, not be married, but still are. Well, we have a whole episode on the Mountain Goats. We definitely talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to get into that. I just, uh, I've been a fan of the Mountain Goats for years, a casual fan. Um, but I just brought uh, the Her- uh, Heretic Pride, which I hold as my favorite uh, Mountain Goats album. I'm not super familiar with that one. Um, it's great. Is it the one with the boxer on the cover? It No, it's the, it's just, it's like a bunch of clouds. Uh, and it's like a great, like, stormy sky. Um, yes, but in the great tradition of many other bands, they have kind of similar themes that go throughout their uh, gizverse, right? It's a much better word to gizverse. Gizverse, great, yeah. Um, it's I should say I think it's it's entirely fan created. Um, I mean, Gizzard has like their videos and their media all done by you know the unofficial seventh or eighth member, depending on like the era you're listening uh it's all done by jason galea who's a visual artist he's absolutely brilliant he works in all these different mediums and it's just extremely cohesive uh and it all looks fantastic um in any case uh the gizverse is basically a discography spanning post-apocalyptic tale of mythic and hellish beasts seven mysterious travelers the planet venus mind-altering colors virtual reality satan uh hell so like all the like big all the big guys all the big guns are out here um and i should say the the most reoccurring character and the one you can most distinguish out of all of them is a malevolent universe murdering cyborg named han tayumi uh which itself is a uh, anagram for humanity um but like you know you listen to uh i'm in your or i'm in your mind fuzz you listen to nonagon uh, Infinity, Polygon, Dewana Land, you'll see a lot of this take shape. And it seems like with those three albums especially, the band is trying to tell a story. And a lot of fans uh, will, you know, like reach out to like other albums such as Sketches, uh, such as, you know, KGLW, such as Infest the Rat's Nest, Fishing for Fishies. Um, where else has he appeared? Uh, yeah. Um, just trying to like put it all together and trying to figure out the story that the band's trying to tell. The band has kind of loosely acknowledged it. Like they've said, yeah, you know, it might exist, whatever. Um, but there are so many, there are, are there's a subreddit, our Gizverse, that's, you know, people theorizing and putting it together. There's an excellent series done by uh, the YouTube channel motion and art, who I think has seven parts up now, all totaling around six hours of just trying to guide you through the Gizverse. Uh, through the albums there's also this really this is like almost feature length long video on youtube i highly suggest you checking out if you're into like that era of you know nonagon mind fuzz and polygon um or murder of the universe uh just called murder of the nonagon fuzz and it's just it's uh it fits all of like the music together into a single cohesive uh video that you can kind of hear like all of the like musical motifs that you know play through in all of the albums mentioned and it's just it's absolutely fascinating um i'm damn i guess i'm like a a gizverse agnostic like i believe that there are you know references throughout the discography i'm not entirely convinced by the interpretations a lot of fans have by it apart from you know what's you know explicitly told in nonagon polygon mind fuzz and murder of the universe um because a lot of people do make a, like huge stretches trying to justify like you know maybe they just want to do like a little microtonal 
track called Honey, where Stu's writing about his wife. And people are like, okay, it means this. And it's about, you know, their milk and honey was mentioned in this track. And it's like, I get it. I understand why you're trying to stretch. But unless, you know, we get like a full, like a book about it, I'm kind of, you know, keeping back. But the fact that there is that lore and then there is that much to explore uh, through the band's lyrics and music, it, it just makes it all the more fun. Uh, because not a lot of bands out there have lore uh, who aren't, you know, Coheed and Cambria. I would say most bands out there don't have lore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, every you know, bands do concept albums all the time, sure, but this but that's is, not lore, baby. Yeah, this is career spanning. It's it's just it's absolutely fascinating, and it's like a hole you can fall down for sure. Um, oh yeah, that that was that was how I really got deep into fish at first. They have a very similar thing mm. uh, called Game Hinge. Yeah. That was uh, Trey Anastasio's like college thesis project, which was this, you know, m- lightly musical uh, song cycle uh, about this like fictional world of uh, actually of lizard people. Yeah. This is why I made this joke on Twitter when somebody was like, why are there not more lizard wizards involved? And I'm like, because Gamehenge literally has lizards and wizards. So Fish has it covered. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, hmm, I don't know if there are any canonical wizards in Game Hinge. There are. There's lizard people. Well, yeah, lizards, but I don't know about wizards. Okay, there's like a magician. I'm sorry if the name is technically not whatever, but there's a magic dude. Which which Game Hinge character is the magic guy? There's <laughs> definitely, the, the Helping Friendly book is definitely magical. Well, yeah, that's a book, but it's not a guy. Isn't the guy, isn't Wilson a wizard? Isn't he an evil wizard? Uh... No, he's just a he's just an evil king. He stole the helping friendly book. Okay, we can't get into me trying to explain Game Henge on an episode that's not fish for the second time this calendar year. No, no, no. Let's tease this out. Let's tease this out. Let's keep going. I want to. This I happened you. on Rocco's Modern you. Life too. <laughs> I'm here to help. I'm here to help you, babe. No, I'm not doing this. Continue your point. <laughs> this is just getting me more excited to get back to fish later this year. You have like, fun. Yeah, it's oh, Brandon, I'm I'm definitely coming to you for more guidance here. Oh um, yeah, um, but like yeah, so they they had it was Trey's senior thesis, um, and a lot of it were like a lot of it was based on off of like songs that he had written when he was a teenager with uh with like his friends, uh, or his like future writing partner Tom Marshall, um, but like it 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 was real it was very prevalent in their their early days, and it was this like story about like lizard people and knights and a helping friendly book and like like it's just this very like bright sort of fantasy imagery uh that is that was really just an excuse for some cool songs but like it was just one of those things that you could really like dive deeply into when you're first sort of discovering this band or like they have a song called harpua which uh takes place like in the game hinge verse but isn't about anybody involved in the story um it's really more about a dude driving a cab and also a dog uh well the well the cab driver only factors in the one time from the vegas version um but the the thing isn't he always in it no uh okay okay hold on you i'm sorry i know i said i wasn't gonna get into this and you say that it only factors into the vegas version but i know for a fact we watched a version of it and i want to say charlotte where they played harpua and or maybe it was atlanta i don't know it was very hot and they played rage against the machine yeah yeah they did i think that because was, it was yeah. on the cab drivers 
radio station. So therefore, it's in every version. No, what what you're thinking of was uh, the uh, actually no, what you're thinking of was that when when they played uh, uh, they played a so Harpua okay. is a, is a song that like there's a song part at the beginning, but the 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 main sort of thrust of it is Trey tells a, a spoken word story about this kid Jimmy and his cat poster nutbag and the like the evil dog Harpua and it, it always ends with Harpua uh eats poster nutbag um and everyone's sad but it, it, the so, the story part is really used really selling this <laughs> for like uh they'll use it to like put in a weird cover or like do like some sort of weird gag, but there are these sort of like side stories that do like little bits of things to flesh out the universe, and the f- and like they only play it like once a year, maybe. Um, but what you were thinking of, Beth, was when they played it uh, on how Hall- on Halloween one year. Uh, they pl- I forget what album they played, but two days later they had a show in Utah that like nobody came to. Uh, and at set break, they decided to play Dark Side of the Moon because that's what everybody thought they were going to play for Halloween. And the way they got to it was uh, uh, Jimmy and Poster were in the story was Jimmy and Poster were in a cab leaving Las Vegas, uh, having just been in Vegas. And I think they even played Harpua in Vegas that year. They played a few in Vegas. Um, but uh, they get in the cab and the cab driver puts on his favorite album dark side of the moon and then they play the whole thing and then when it ends go right back into the like harpua vamp um and it just because it just became one of those like legendary like see this is why you never miss a show because like they there was vegas and then like utah was like seven hours out of the way the next show on the tour was like two hours from vegas so most people didn't go um but it just became one of these like lore things of like, oh, see, you know, if you if you miss one, you could miss something like that. And it seems like like Giz has the same sort of like spirit of like wanting to make everything feel unique, but also like part of the same like cohesive idea, you know? For sure. It's it's funny that you bring up the live shows because I, I definitely wanted to talk about like, you know, 17 studio albums it's a lot to get into i understand it's real heavy uh i hate to tell you there's so far uh two officially released live shows the first being chunky shrapnel which came out in 2020 which connor chronicled the band's 2019 european tour uh, so it's a lot of infest the rat's nest but there there's some fantastic like you know early discography tracks on there including the river wonderful jam on that and another one which they released again last year which was live in san francisco in 2016 which is a lot of like earlier, like really early, kind of like float along, fill your lungs, uh, non-gon infinity material. Uh, both very much worth listening to, especially if you're looking for like King Gizzard jamming, uh, the river on Chunky Shrapnel and float along, fill your lungs on live in San Francisco, both rip. But there is like, you know, I have, you know, dived into uh, Fish's, you know, live show, catalog i remember really enjoying the new year's i think 99 at madison square garden um, uh 95 95 okay Ni- um, 99 was at the big cypress Seminole indian reservation in florida okay 
where they played from midnight to they played one set from midnight till sunup. Oh my god! Um, I've listened to that. I've obviously I listened to the Bonnaroo show I went to, and I've listened to like whatever shows they played in my town where I am in Alpharetta. Um, and uh, but regardless, oh, I, I've seen fish there. Oh, nice! Yeah, <laughs> that's where I am. Uh, I'd love to go to the next show that they come into town. In any case, is that the one I went to? Yep. Okay, yeah, so that, that's that the was one the one I was where talking they played Rage. About. Yeah. That's literally the place I was talking about. That's, okay, yep. so that was July 4th, wasn't it? Yes, yep. it was a July 4th show. I listened to that show several and times. And I saw a dude in a whaler shirt that I high-fived because I got so excited about seeing a whaler shirt in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we were there. The The outdoor concrete bunker men's room uh, that 4th of July was the most humid place I've ever been. Good God. That sounds right. That sounds right. Just like I think earlier last year, along with those two official live releases, they also released five live shows from their 2019 tour, which was live in Asheville, live in Adelaide, Paris, London, and Brussels, um, which they released on their band camp, but then opened up to bootleggers to be like, hey, if you want to press this, you want to put this on and out like. A yeah, LP they released. Set. I saw that, that they had released it like without any drm yep i mean they did the same with polygon to Wanaland when it came out uh, i should say briefly about polygon to Wanaland. i know we touched on it it's a prog masterpiece it's my favorite album from the band it is absolutely it's fantastic it's super fun it's it gets it gives you everything in terms of musicianship and lore and just energy uh, that's a fantastic place to start uh well after not a gun at mine plays in any case uh, they did the same thing when Polygon uh, came out, I think October, November of 2017, they just said, Hey, this is free. You guys can do whatever you want with it. Um, and so a lot of people pressed bootlegs. They like covered it. I remember I was bidding on an eBay auction late last year for a uh, all eight bit Polygon to Wanaland cover album. Um, oh shit. Yeah. It, you can find it on YouTube. It sounds fucking sick. It's great. Um, Super Polygon to Wanaland. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but these live shows is that like whenever i like have a another giz fan come in um who's kind of new to the band or you're like getting into the band uh but hasn't really explored elsewhere i say listen to those live shows because there are songs that like you know fishing for fishies came out in 2019 it's super fun folky like i said but there are a couple tracks on there that are like okay this is fine like it's you know nothing like really strikes me personally but they come alive in their live shows. Like I always send people to the track of this thing on live in Asheville, 2019, which I realize now saying like that, I sound like a fish fan. I sound like a, you know, grateful dead fan. It's just like, you find like these studio album tracks, but the way that the band performs at this particular point in time is like, I'm so glad that it was captured and it was recorded because it is transcendent. Like you hear this like three and a half minute track. And you're like, Oh yeah, this is pretty good. And then you find it on the live record and it's, eight minutes long you're like oh what the fuck are they gonna do here and it is absolutely transcendent it rips it's so good so if i would recommend like once you're kind of like okay yeah i got a good sense of, like the studio albums that kind of thing check out their 2019 bootlegs there's there's so much fun they're like two and a half hours i was listening to live in paris or and live in uh adelaide uh to all throughout the day to prepare for this and i just it nothing has made me fall in love with the band more listening to their live shows um i've been to one i've seen them once um i saw them in 2019 labor day it was the last live concert i went to and it was 
un, it was incredible. They played so many like fantastic, really energetic tracks. Uh, I went with, you know, Radish co-host uh, Will and Tyler. And I think at one point during Crumbling Castle, my favorite track of theirs of all time, uh, it's the opening track from Polygon to Monoland. They were playing it and Will like looked over to me and gestured towards the pit, like a couple rows ahead of us. And was like, let's go. And I was like, let's fucking go. And like the way that they transitioned from Crumbling Castle into the fourth color is just, it is, I left my body like my lungs were burning and i just couldn't do it anymore but i just my lost control it is just an absolute experience um and where 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 was that show it was at the tabernacle in atlanta oh i love the tabernacle it's a it's a great fucking venue um and i realized then and there like i'm getting out of shape in my late 20s and the next time that king is announces uh atlanta show i have to get in shape for it so i can last longer than six minutes in the pit like i want to be in there for the whole time just because it, it was the just most wild most respectful uh pit i've ever been in um it was just absolutely insane i loved every minute of it do they um do they repeat set lists like do they keep a set list for the tour or do they do different ones every night i i could imagine that they would change it up but i I'm, i just honestly don't know that is the thing is that with those bootlegs, like you'll notice like a lot of like similar tracks from 2019 because they were touring for Fishing for Fishies and Infest the Rat's Nest. So you see pretty like, especially on Chunky Shrapnel as well, you see uh, Infest kind of heavy track list because, you know, they're playing, you know, the heaviest, most like hype album that they had recently. Um, that being said, there are a lot of tracks that they pull from later in the discography uh, throughout the show that just make it all the worthwhile. So like they'll start with like the first, you know, same track, but like go into like different infest the rat's nest tracks, a little bit of fishing for fishies, but then they'll go into like, you know, Lord of lightning from murder of the universe, murder of the universe, or they'll go into, uh, you know, fishing for fishies tracks. or they'll go into, uh, I think the river, uh, beginner's luck from gumboot soup. It is just, it really it depends on the show, but I noticed that they do have like a pretty consistent track list with like little spots here and there to like just do whatever. Like I think at the Atlanta show, we got Great Chain of Being from we got in, down the sink and Great Chain of Being both from Gumboot Soup, uh, which I hadn't seen on any track list before that, um, and they are very fun to hear. Uh, but they are doing, uh, I think, three or four. I think four, three hour sets um at red rocks and somewhere else i want to say somewhere in california where they're doing just career spanning shows not repeating tracks um which every giz fan i've talked to who comes into the shop we all say oh you going to red rocks <laughs> and it's like yeah i'm kind of considering it I, I love stuff like that that happens with fish every so often like a few years ago they did a thing called the baker's dozen oh yeah uh where they were in at Madison Square Garden, which is where they've played like sixty times or something at this point, um, but they did it was thirteen shows over about three weeks in change, um, all at the Garden. Uh, each night was themed to a different flavor of donut, which they handed out at the door when you came in, so you just got a free donut. Um, and the flavor of the donut would influence the set list. So, like, the first night was coconut, 
So they opened with uh, Shake Your Coconuts by Junior Senior, uh, which they've never played before or since. They did a, uh, an acapella version of Lime in the Coconut. Um, and then they they basically did that same gag for uh, 13 more nights, uh, crescendoing with uh, a night. Uh, the final night was Boston Cream. Uh, so they ma- they did a big mashup of Boston songs and Cream songs. <laughs> And they were very pleased with themselves. They're definitely a band that is 100% dads and thinks they're hilarious. Yep. Oh, yeah. And after they finished it, they were like, we've literally been waiting 20 years to do that gag. Um, but over 13 nights, they didn't repeat a single song, um, which is Wild. 13 two-set shows. Yeah. Um, which led to, a, like, lots of one-offs, lots of, like, stuff they hadn't played in a really long time, lots of jamming. And it was like this really cool communal experience where like if you – like in the lead up to it, if you met anyone, you know, in public with like a fish shirt, it would be like, you, you go into you go the – you go into the does? Um, <laughs> and it was this really cool like – it really brought the community together in one place in a way that was really cool. I don't know. It's always a really fun game. When you're near or on your way to any fish show to play the game, who's going to the fish show? Uh, just by like looking at the people around you, either on the freeway or in the train station. On the plane. It's a pretty easy game to play, actually. It's similar to the who's going to Comic-Con game is really easy to play when you have to go to San Diego. Actually, when, when we went to uh, those shows in Alpharetta, the hotel we were staying at uh there was a family reunion for some family also happening at that same hotel. So it was like mostly fish people. And then this kind of terrified family, just That's like all in matching shirts. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. So Sean, is there, is there any, anything else in the, uh, great tomes of the, the lizard wizard, uh, that you'd like to cover before we, uh, take our gizzards and go home. Oh yeah, I, I realize I've been talking so long about these guys. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I just, you know, if you're still listening to this episode and you're like, mm, maybe I'm, I'm not sure. I just, there's an album to fit almost every mood. Like if you know you're, you know, it's a, a Sunday morning, you can throw on Paper Mache Dream Balloon. If you're like feeling like aggressive and like angry, you can throw on Infest the Like there's something for every day, and I really, as you know, someone like a music fan who that I just really appreciate that. Like, it's why I listened to like over three days worth of their music last year alone of, you know, just cause it's, there's something every day and like, no matter what you're in the mood for, they have something for it. Um, and there's also a uh, last bit of it here. Uh, I'm not sure how into boy bands y'all are or were. Uh, there's a bit of a boy band factor to them. Uh, I, I ain't mad about it. <laughs> it's it's great. Like there's like I I, I think I said the, Ambie earlier. Uh, there's like they all have kind of like nicknames. Uh, it's there's just like you know when you see the boys being boys like nothing. Like the reason I loved KG so much last year was because nothing had the me and the boys after we get the vaccine energy more than that record. And especially sure. if you watch the video for Intrasport, it is just boys being boys, and it's so much fun. And it's just it fills me with the greatest joy to see all of them having fun and just like, you know, keeping it loose. Um, but more or less joy than Dom DeLuise's egg trick. Uh, that I will get back to you about Brandon. Well, he doesn't know. He hasn't watched it yet. 
I will let Fair. you know. Um, I'll but let yeah, you know later. I would check out like if when you get into the band, I there are so many like kind of bootleg merch uh, dispensers out there, as I'm sure there are with you know you know a lot of other jam and rock and roll bands. Um, but they're just you should look them up for sure because I'm I'm looking at a sticker now of one of the little fishy like animated fishing for fishies and it's wearing John Fishman's Moo. Um, I'll post a picture. Yeah. Like there's it's just there's like they welcome so much like influence and community uh into this fandom and it's just like I think you and I Brandon and uh Beth like we there's like a kinship there in our musical tastes of you know King Gizzard and also other you know jam bands and like other other prolific musicians would they balk at being called a jam band no not at all i don't think oh, okay because i, th- I yeah. was never entirely sure if if that was a a term that rankled them or their fans no i because they've always felt like jam adjacent to me sort of like ween i i don't know enough about ween to, to verify that but i you listen to that's a lot probably of like, fine yeah. that's a fine treat to have as a person yeah yeah you're better off um but if you listen to, like I said, the live shows and you hear how they're able to like bring out these tracks uh, and just make them come to life, you know, when you don't expect it, they're, they can definitely jam. Um, and that is, I, I don't think they'll, you know, turn their nose up at the term at all. Very much in the spirit. I also have a, another, this, it's a bumper sticker that's just, it's a tie-dye background and it's the Grateful Dead Dancing beer, Bears. Uh, it's three of those, and between the three of those, there are two just like cute little King Gizzard gators uh, who are also kind of doing their own little dance. And I almost put that on my car. I'm still kind of considering putting it on the car. All right, so at least the fans know what it's about, even oh, if, yeah, even if sure. they wouldn't want to. The fans are aware. Oh, they yeah. know. There, there's like, like I said, there's an entire just like kinship of just like, yeah, we know what we like, and this is just, you know, this is the most modern and youngest band to do it and do it really well. And there's so much more to come. Like, I don't understand how after 17, 18 studio albums, they're just like, yeah, we're going to take a still break. Still fucking making shit, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're still rolling I, shit out. They used to have two drummers, and uh, the one drummer, Eric, uh, left. I he think, left because he runs the label. Exactly. Yeah, he was just like, I got to focus on the label. We're doing too well. And it's like, that's great. I mean, Cavs can hold it on his own. Um, you don't need two drummers. Yeah, they, they really just kind of like, had you know two drummers to keep time tell it to grateful dead and they didn't they were better when they had just one that's true um that's true it's there's just there's a whole world here and there's so much to appreciate and if it's not your thing i get it but i especially you know talking with y'all this past hour i think you'd really you'd enjoy it Brandon has definitely listened to some of it. I've really only heard it in passing, but uh, I'll have to I'll have to check it out more specifically. Y'all can like listeners of the show, Brandon and Beth. If you guys like send me like I'm in this mood, I will give you an album and it will fit. All right. Hell yes. I'm gonna take you up on that. Well, thank you for joining us, Sean. My God, thank we you. Appreciate for you coming me. on and talking about this. I I mean I am. I'm really gonna check it out. Like I said, it's more of a one of those things that's just like, I don't know, it's one of those weird bands Brandon's into, but you've sold me on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. I know it's it's very daunting to say like, Oh yeah, I'd like to get into this band and there's just so much like studio album. Like it's not even just live albums, it's like studio albums are so much. But if you have someone guiding their way, it's possible. 
I guess the nice thing about them too is that with a lot of bands that have like a lot of catalog, you're like, oh, well, shall I, should I go back and listen to like figure out their evolution? But like one kind of nice thing about all of their albums being like very different is that it's like, actually, it kind of doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> I don't have to listen to them in order. Yeah. I never recommend people start out from the top. You can, but it's, I, that's for another time. Start out like right dead set in the middle and then branch off from there. Well, if people wanted to find more uh, Sean Barry-related content on their internet, how could they do that? You can find me at Twitter on Twitter at that Sean Barry, and that's S E A N B A R R Y. I was given the gift of having two hard to spell names initially. Um, you can also find me at Sean M Barry on Instagram, and I have an Instagram profile for my record collection. Uh, it's Idiotechnica, um, like the Radiohead song, but with Technica, like the turntable um you can find me as one of the co-hosts of radish uh on the indie source network um we do shows every week uh and it's a very fun show and tell podcast where it's it's much looser than this like we'll talk about fun things we find in the week but uh, it mostly just devolves into us talking about serial mascot terrors um i mean in fairness this was a more structured episode for us. Okay, yes. good. That's, <laughs> glad to hear it. Um, I think it's because I craved it from so many years. I mean, the, it's okay. The episode of, for for example, our episode about Gossip Girl, um, for reasons that I guess you'd really have to listen to the episode to understand, mm-hmm. ends with a uh, Columbo mashup. So don't worry about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find yeah, me there. One, 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 one more thing. One more oh, yeah. thing. No, we're not doing this again. <laughs> If you are, uh, I I don't want to bother you, but if you want to find me on the internet somewhere, so you could uh, you go to uh, uh, Hell Yes Brandon on all of the uh, the websites there. Uh, I, I like the internet. My my wife likes it a little more than I do, but uh, you know she's always on there. She's 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 shopping. She's emailing with the friends. It's she she loves that dang old thing. Uh, and uh, really? also she's emailing uh, with her friends. The one of us that has a job, she's emailing with her friends. Oh no, not not, not you. She's not working not, all day. Not not you, Mrs. Mrs. Columbo. Mrs. Oh, okay. Columbo. No, I, I'm, do, I'm doing a, I'm doing, I'm doing a bit. I'm doing, I'm still doing the bit. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm at Helius Brandon. Fuck you. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm Helius Brandon on all the hell sites. Um, Inkblot is on uh, SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, that's really all I have. ATM, really. All right. Uh, well, as always, you can find me all over the internet at bscores with an underscore at the end, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S with an underscore, but the easiest way to find me would be to just follow the podcast online. You can follow us on Twitter at at IntuitPod, and you can follow us on Instagram at hashtag IntuitPod, because you can follow uh, hashtags, and that's how you'll find me, because I never wanted to make another Instagram account. We are also on Facebook, if you get any mileage out of that. Um, we are very excited to be a part of the Indiesaurus Network. Uh, you can check them out online at Indiesaurusnet on Twitter, I-N-D-I-E-Saurus. Uh, and they're also at Indiesaurus.com, and you can uh, support the Patreon, and there's a pretty rad Discord that you could get involved in where I mostly just post cursed shit, so, you know, come join us. Um, thank you, as always, to Kalen West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a Lot Like Giving Up, off the album Falling is Like Flying. Well, Sean, uh, thank you so much for taking this journey to uh, Polygon to Wanaland today. Oh yeah, with us. I, we barely even got into that one. I can come back on for sequel. Yeah, we're probably gonna have to do a volume two at some point. Probably have to do. We'll a, have a, you back for volume two in a few months. Honestly, yeah. give people after, time like, to listen to the and, other ones. Exactly after the next like three albums are released. Yeah, I have to come back and update. 
But yeah, we just have to do you. like seven King Gizzard episodes every year. It's it's nuts. That's fantastic. But yeah, thank you both so so much for having me on. I'm so glad we're on you know the same network. We're sister shows. This is an absolute delight being a part of this, and I've loved like, listening to your show so far. Um, and I'm you know thank you again. I can't thank you enough. This is a uh, all that I try not to do at my job. Go check out uh, the Radish at, on the Indiesaurus Network because they have a lot of fun over there. Also talking about shit they like. We love just talking about shit we like. They're great, great to have on the network with us. Um, so, all that being said, give a little whiz. Oh fuck, you're back to it. Give a little I whiz you, at the you end of the slam show. Slam dunked that and instead brought it right Fought back around bit. to the bit that didn't work. Whiz a little bit to yeah. the end of Giz. Podcast yeah. Gizzard. Stop this bit. This po- bit super doesn't work. Podcast Gizzard. Podcast Gizzard.